This is Dialogue with Drake and Dabu. My name is Emma Drake. And I am Sweta Dabu. This is the podcast where we talk about all things policy, politics, and pop culture. Over the last almost 30 episodes, we have covered a lot of different items, specifically provincial and federal policy, and now we're finally chatting about municipal policy. And with what timing? The last few weeks have been eventful, to say the least, for the city of Charlottetown. On May 10th, 2021, City Council approved the recommendation from their Standing Committee on Economic Development, Tourism, and Event Management to adopt the recommendations from the Effectwet Assembly of Councils pertaining to the Sir John A. Macdonald statue on Victoria Road at the corner of Richmond and Queen Streets. As listeners will remember, 2020 has seen a rise in demands for accountability as to the role Sir John A. Macdonald played in the oppression of Indigenous peoples, including the instating of residential schools and the capitalizations of the famine faced by Indigenous peoples in the prairies as a result of bison overhunting. There have been numerous calls for the removal of the statue from its current location, as many folks have probably seen in the media over the last couple of months, as well as there have been proposals for amendments to the signage that would recognize the harm he caused to Indigenous peoples. This statue, as many folks know, has been defaced numerous times over the last year. The Epiquit Assembly of Councils has made five specific recommendations to the City of Charlottetown, which have been adopted at the May 10th meeting. These five recommendations are adding another figure, such as an Indigenous child or elder, filling in or sealing off the empty space on the bench so it cannot be used for photo opportunities, installing signage so viewers can understand the devastating role that John A. Macdonald played in the Indigenous history of Canada, and if the artist is not Indigenous, hiring a Mi'kmaq artist as a consultant, and finally, completing the work as soon as reasonably possible. A second point of prominence has been a public meeting on May 17th, to obtain input on short-term rental, or STR, regulations in Charlottetown. Five potential scenarios have been first developed in February 2020 after the city contracted Dr. David Waxmuth to research STRs and their impact on the city. These scenarios had then been presented by city planning staff to city council. They include, number one, permitting STRs in any principal residence except apartments with no allowance for commercial STRs. Number two, permitting STRs in any principal residence, including apartments, with no allowance for commercial STRs. Number three, permitting STRs in any principal residence except apartments, with allowance for commercial STRs in zones that would permit a hotel. Number four, permitting STRs in any principal residence, including apartments, with allowance for commercial STRs in zones that would permit a hotel. And number five, permitting STRs in any principal residence, including apartments, with allowance for commercial STRs in zones that will permit a hotel and in parts of the downtown. Scenario 4 had been initially the preferred option of City Hall in 2020. However, this was before public consultations could occur due to the pandemic. Now, after 14 months of zero movement on short-term rental regulation from City Hall and with public interest in the alternative scenarios presented, the bylaw consultation process has started again, and this was specifically launched by the public consultation at the Confederation Center of the Arts, May 17, 2021. 
To chat with us today about these municipal issues and more is fashionista, CEO of the Guild, Dog Mom, and City of Charlottetown Ward 1 Councillor, Alana Yankov. All right, so Alana, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Our first question for you is very serious. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. The sun is shining. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's the beginning of a May long weekend. Mm. So anybody with their motorcycles and their sports cars and they can put on their open toed shoes and start wearing white. <laughs> or their electric scooters too. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes, that's right. Rosie will be coming out this weekend. <laughs> oh, good. It's, I think, an iconic fixture downtown seeing that bike everywhere. So I'll look forward to it. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Elena, you've been a counselor for Ward 1 since December 2018. Um, what has this experience been like for you? Mm, thank you, Emma. Um, so I can say I'm pretty honored to be um, the uh, representative in the historic Ward 1. And, uh, you know, being a new counselor, of course, there's always a steep learning curve and you take on a new position and you try to do your best to the ability that you can and be responsive to the needs of, you know, anyone that's living in Ward 1, but also residents of Charlottetown who maybe feel comfortable to reach out to me directly on social platforms or by phone or even just to discuss ongoing initiatives or issues in the city. And I tell you, it's been an amazing and humbling experience. And I feel pretty fortunate and blessed to live and work and in this dynamic and historic city. Mm -hmm. And well, I know what I speak for both Emma and I, when I say that, you know, you're one of the people we watch out for the most in city council. Like, um, I don't know if there's a formal way to put this, but you're one of the cooler city councillors for sure. <laughs> and we're always keeping up with uh, what you're doing. Um, very recently on Monday, May 10th, city council approved the recommendation from the standing committee on economic development, tourism and event management to adopt the recommendations from the Epetwick uh, Assembly of Councils pertaining to the Sir John A. Macdonald statue. Now, just for our listeners, um, some of these recommendations included adding another figure, such as an indigenous child or an elder, um, to fill up the empty space so that it can't really be used for photo ops, uh, to install signage, to explain to folks the role that Sir John A. Macdonald played in the indigenous history of Canada, you know, hiring a Mi'kmaq artist whenever possible, and if that's not possible, at least having a consultant. Um, during those, during that vote, you were one of the eight councillors who voted in favour. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process leading up to that vote and why you voted the way you did? Mm, sure, Sweta. Uh, well, you know, obviously it was a long, long process, mm -hmm. and I certainly understand that, you know, many residents of Charlottetown have expressed their frustration and you know, and how they felt about this lengthy timeline. And I, I found that Council McCabe as chair of Economic Development Committee, you know, she could certainly elaborate more on that process, mm -hmm. but kudos to her when she took this file on midway through and uh, really brought it, brought it to closure. And I, you know, I commend her and her committee for that. Um, I can assure any listeners out there that it was an issue that, you know, no matter what side of the discussion anyone was on we took it very seriously mm -hmm. you know and you know and any time a dialogue about historical figures and the roles in this country come up you see passionate you know discourse from all participants and it's you know and it's most important 
in you know in my mind is that you know we, that we're working to ensure that that the indigenous members of our communities you know that they've lived out their these experiences and and we have witnessed firsthand the practice of residential schools affecting their communities and uh you know and it's just you know it's it's being heard and listened to and you know at the end of the day like people who've lived this experience are the ones most affected by our decisions and it's important that we remind ourselves of that every day mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's it's really awesome to hear you talk about the uh important role that taking into consideration lived experiences played into this because i think oftentimes too when you're looking at historical figures we tend to only remember the good things and the good things that they did and their accomplishments. And we tend mm -hmm. to kind of uh, tied over maybe the not so nice parts of history. Um, yeah. So, you know, we see that now we're growing a bit more of an awareness, even with the PI Brewing Company changing the name of the beer. Uh, on the side of the city though, uh, what can Charlottetown residents expect to be the steps moving forward for city council on the implementation of these recommendations? Yeah, and just to circle back there too, I don't think I fully answered your question when it came to, you know, why I voted for the recommendations. And it's quite simply, I just felt it was the right thing to do. I mean, these recommendations came directly from, from our Indigenous leaders, Native Council, Mi'kmaq Confederacy, and uh, Unwe. So, I mean, I feel that these were, you know, con um, conceived recommendations that will allow us as a city to take yet, you know, just another step in the long road to to the reconciliation process. Mm -hmm. And so from, in terms of implementation and, and going forward, um, I'm hopeful that these actions will be sooner as opposed to later. Now I'm not on the committee that's responsible for it. However, um, so I don't know the exact timelines, but I, knew to, I do know that there was an open committee meeting this week and the topic was raised and, uh, and as you may remember from the, the debate and discussion, one of the most important points that was raised was the statue and the frustration that people felt, members of the community, that you could you know, stage a photo opportunity. Yes. So I believe that that is going to be the first item addressed. Um, but again, I can't speak to the timelines, but I'm quite confident it will be, you know, these action items are coming on right away. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think you bring up a really strong point around um, a, a number one priority of El Noé, um and the um, Assembly of Councils was around, um, you know, due to the fact that you can take a picture with the John A. statue and kind of the more uh, celebratory kind of more positive nature of it that you know um, it really doesn't recognize i think the intergenerational trauma of things such as residential schools that were a direct policy of, of john a so i think to hear from you alana as a counselor that the number one priority is to address that and to work on that moving forward as immediate as possible i, I think is really important yeah and i think people are starting to realize too that you know, changing or removing statues isn't erasing history. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really isn't. And, uh, you know, and, and when, you know, when these preliminary discussions with, we had some preliminary discussions with that, the original artist, and he was so interested in working alongside a Mi'kmaq artist, you know, in the role of a consultant, you know, to extend this project. So that was really exciting to, to hear that, um, 
you know, every, everybody seems to be um, on board to, to implement these recommendations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was actually a, a really great point. I, I remember you had brought up in the debate um, two weeks ago was around, I think, folks understanding of kind of the meaning of statues. And I think you brought up a strong point that was, you know, while people are upset that they may feel as though changing the John A. statue is erasing history, your point was uh, it's really only a reflection of our current understanding of history, and that needs to evolve over time too um, and not remain kind of as a as a permanent fixture of, one, of what we once thought, but evolve over time as we grow kind of that knowledge um, and especially incorporating the indigenous history that was erased and, and incorporating that in. So I just Indeed. remember that was a great yep. point you had brought up during the debate. And also not confusing history with historiography, if I pronounce that right, because the the, the study of history writing is very different. So, and just remembering too that, uh, yeah, like just weighing evidence against perspectives and, and yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think we've, you know, it was a long road to get there, but I, and, and kudos to Councillor McCabe, you know, she, she, you know, she just jumped right in there and, and really, you know, her and her committee just really brought this, you know, I mean, thank you to, you know, Councillor Ramsey who began the process, but, you know, it was a long process and I know we blame a lot of things on COVID, but, you know, we're here, we're here at this point now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're going to shift gears a little bit um, from one, you know, very prominent topic to another under short-term rentals. Uh, so Alana, you are one of five city council members who is on the Planning and Heritage Committee. Now for listeners, you might be thinking, okay, you know, what's that all about? Um, this is a really important committee because it's responsible for drafting the amendments to the zoning and development bylaw, specifically to incorporate the regulation of short-term rentals. Now, again, this has been a really big area of discussion um, over the last, I would say, three to four years, particularly at City Hall here in Charlottetown. What has this process been like for you as a committee member? So I actually did not join the committee until um, just after COVID when we did the shift, but I certainly followed it, you know, especially as a resident uh, and uh and the uh, counselor for Ward One, mm-hmm. it you know was such an important file. So I followed it even before I was on the committee. But um, you know, it's it's a very it was it's such an encompassing process. And you know, as a counselor, like I know it's been a challenge for many many people in the public. You know, due to the stretched out timelines. I mean, we can call we can talk about you know COVID and the inability to have these public meetings which caused a lot of delays, you know, I'm, I'm just so glad to see that we have been able to pick back up mm-hmm. and get back out in the front of the public and, you know, continue this important discussion. But, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, as an individual, you know, I feel we need to do everything we can to collect as much feedback and input from the public as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, and I believe that May 17th, the public meeting was very important and, mm-hmm. and, and very much, another step in collecting and hearing from from people and and, and their thoughts on on what this bylaw should look like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
You bring up the May 17th public consultation, um, and we know this is something that had been brought forward, um, you know, prior to COVID as well, and had essentially been in limbo for the last 14 months uh, before there finally being this consultation um, on Tuesday of last week um, at the Confederation Center of the Arts. Now, uh, leading up to that, everyone had been under the impression that this was a very formal public consultation process of course, that required uh, prior registration, both in person and online. After those consultations, however, um, City Councilor Mike Duffy made some comments uh, regarding this consultation on short-term rental regulation, stating that it was um, unofficial, um, a warm-up to the actual consultations, or really just to refresh kind of um, the issue of short-term rentals in people's minds. Um, and these comments have really created some confusion, I think, uh, for everyone involved. I know, you know, Emma and I were at the consultation as well, and afterwards we were a little confused as to whether or not this was an official consultation process. So to you, what do you think was the purpose of this May 17th consultation? Well, in my opinion, the May 17th consultation was absolutely an additional step um, that allowed residents, businesses, advocates, organizers, an additional opportunity to provide input and to share their stories. You know, and as I had illustrated earlier, you know, this is like a pressing issue. So it is critical that, you know, we collect as much information from stakeholders as possible. And I think this past public meeting really allowed us to do just more of that. And, uh, you know, that, it's critical that we are all, you know, that we're all respectful of one another. And especially when the topic is something as polarizing as short-term rentals. But Monday's meeting was, you know, in my opinion, a great step in our efforts to engage as many members of the city as possible. And, you know, we need to get this right. Absolutely. And, you know, following uh, along with your comments there, uh, you know, you said we need to get this right. So what is the intended consultation process going forward? You mean going forward, what are the next steps? Yes. Okay. So as a committee member, I believe that the next step is a meeting of the planning committee. Mm -hmm. to discuss with the planning staff some direction and then planning staff needs to come back to planning committee with a potential framework which would be based on these initial consultations and additional letters and information that they have got out from from past and now and then from there then it goes to planning board and then planning board would would recommend that the next step would be a, another public consultation based on what the planning staff write up in a draft form of a bylaw. And then that goes to council. Council then moves it on to a public consultation, mm -hmm. public consultation, and then back to planning committee and planning board mm -hmm. to then, based on then that public consultation, and eventually it ends up at council for council to vote on one of these five scenarios, or maybe it's a modification of one of the scenarios. So, but that really is going to depend on more, like they have to review all of this, this public consultation first. And there's a lot of it. You know, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> 
we can imagine it seems that everyone within or out of Charlottetown is really watching the proceedings with a lot of interest and you know it's one of those issues where you don't really find people on the fence everyone's either for or against or you know has a very specific solution that they would like to see implemented um, yeah. given that the city is still in the process of drafting the bylaw what do you personally hope to accomplish as a representative of ward one and a member of the committee well you know at the end of the day i'm not sure any one decision will leave every single person happy or satisfied. <laughs> but, you know, we as counselors, like we were elected to make, to not, to make these not so easy decisions. Yeah. And so, you know, we're in these jobs because we know that at some point difficult decisions will need to be made and, you know, it comes with the territory. And sometimes we all need to be aware of that. And, you know, and as a committee member, um, I'm just hoping that, the conclusion that we strike, like that we strike the right chord and that mm -hmm. as many individuals and and stakeholders that but the passion around it and that we find a fair way of moving forward with this STR bylaw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No yeah. And soon. We don't want this to drag out. <laughs> any longer <laughs> absolutely i think as much as um residents are um maybe getting a bit kind of um perhaps tired with uh, continuing to have to work on this i i trust that counselors may be in a similar position where um su suffice to say they just want to kind of get shit done and move on to the next thing so to speak <laughs> <laughs> well it is certainly very important and we we, so, we certainly can't get this we can't get this wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's likely one of the one of the biggest, uh, probably one of the biggest files since I was elected. I mean, we were talking about this when I was going door to door. I think it was very much so was a ballot box question in 2018. Um, and I suspect that'll continue to be a question uh, at the doors in 2022. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're going to shift gears once again here. Atlanta, you're in a really, I think, unique position. I know uh, Sweda's work uh, is surrounding uh, women in government, um, but then we also have some other partners such as PIBWA that focuses on women in business. Um, and you're in two unique positions at the same time. On one hand, you're the CEO of the Guild, um, which is really unique because only 15% of CEOs in Canada are women. And then on the other hand, at the same time, you're also a city councillor, which on PEI, only around 30% of city councillors uh, are women. Um, so this is kind of neat because you're in two positions that historically women um, do not frequent and are, are considerably underrepresented. So, you know, what has this experience been like as both a woman in politics and a CEO at the same time and kind of some positives and negatives from that experience? So... <clears throat> I, uh, I grew up on Caribou Island and my parents raised, my, my, my sister and I, um, and always instilled in us um, that the sky was the limit, mm -hmm. that as long as you work, your work ethic is strong, you're authentic, and your intentions are good, that you, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I always carried that along in my thoughts throughout my career, and whether it was running my photography business uh, whether for 20 years or joining the guild as a CEO or taking a seat in council chambers for the city of Charlottetown, I've always, 
I've always just thought, you know, I, I can do, I can do it if I put my mind to it. And, you know, unfortunately for me too, I mean, the positive, the positives have far outweighed the negatives. Mm-hmm. And I always think, you know, I'm only as strong, I'm only as strong as those on my team. And I'm, I'm super lucky to have great teams in both my professional and my personal life that lend support and strength all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, uh, as they say, it, it takes a village, right? Uh, uh, I think with a lot of things. So so that's really yeah. awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I think congratulations, too. And, and just, um, I think your position in um, Charlottetown as a CEO and as a, as a city councilor, I think that's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I think there's kind of four essential team members when we talk about it takes a village. And on to our last kind of official question here. You have four very famous tiny, and I mean tiny dogs. And I remember following along with your social media before you were a city councillor and really just remarking, wow, these these dogs really have a prominence in, in Team Atlanta. So can you tell us a little bit about them? I can. So yes, I have Bob, Doris, Walter, and Blanche. Bob is my fourteen. Year- <laughs> Bob is my fourteen-year-old Parson Terrier. Doris is my almost eight-year-old Papillon. Walter is my Toy Fox Terrier, and he is three. And then I have Blanche Marie, who is one and a half, and she is a she's a miniature dachshund. So, so of my dogs, two are two are rescues, and two I've had right from the time they were. Um, at the breeder and they are hilarious they are they are they've trained us they they do little very little for me if I ask except (laughs) for they they will allow me to take their picture and if they see me coming with my phone they will pose because they know they get that little treat at the end of it (laughs) and Stephen and I sit in the garage on Saturday nights listening to the hoedown and, and watching these four little dogs, they got us through COVID. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think they got us all through COVID. I know for me, anytime they showed up on my timeline, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, here's these tiny dogs again. Like, And it's amazing how photogenic they are. I have two cats and sometimes they're like, no, you know, mom, get away from me. I don't want a photo. <laughs> like I'm going to be a stinker sort of thing. But your dogs just seem like camera. Okay, ready. I'm posing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're a they're a lot of fun. I have to ask: Is uh, Blanche named after the Golden Girls character? Well, kudos to Laurel Lee, um, our manager of tourism at the city. When I was uh, rehoming her from my hairstylist, she already had a name, but she was quite young, so I knew that name was not going to fit in with the family. So Laurel also knew my style of naming, mm. and. And it was her that said, name her Blanche after the Golden Girls. And I said, perfect. <laughs> Blanche it is. Yeah. And, and it just fits her. And when she's in trouble, she's Blanche Marie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. They all have such distinguished names. I really love it when people name their pets after real people. And you have to wonder, is that a dog? Is that their spouse? Is that a child? But, you know, they're everything. <laughs> When Stephen and I were getting married, he uh, wondered if I was going to change my name. And well, I had been married before and I've never changed my name. So I told him instead, 
Bob could be a McLean, and so could Walter. <laughs> Whereas Doris and Blanche are kind of like Madonna. They don't need last names. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this was a very interesting conversation. And, you know, I'm, I'm very eager to meet these dogs in person. Now, I feel like they have very distinct personalities. Uh, but this brings yeah. us to an end of the formal part of our interview. Our second part is a usually very laid back section that we like to call the beer panel. Um, it's called the beer panel, but it's really taken on a life of its own um, in the last year and a half. Oh no, half year. Yes, feels like a lot longer with COVID. Um, <laughs> but it's really taken on a life of its own. And you know, usually our guests and Emma and I um, make recommendations to our viewers or reviews, and it can be anything, beer, recipe, restaurant. Um, so, you know, as a very special guest today, Alana, you get to go first. Uh, what would you like to recommend to our listeners today? Uh, I would recommend that everyone come downtown this weekend because it's going to rain, and I think they should shop at Colorblind and Lady Dow's mm-hmm. and Gems Boutique and Chameleon Hanger and mm-hmm. tell them I sent them. Yeah. Four, of, four of my favorite stores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, our listeners can't see this right now, but Alana's wearing a very stylish top. And mm-hmm. if that's where she got it from, then definitely we'll have to go check it out. Well, I, this is from Island Active Wear. So definitely oh. check it out too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go see uh, uh, Philip and Kelly at Island Active Wear. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Now, I have a question actually kind of to go off that, Elena, you're a bit of a fashion icon when it comes to Charlottetown and kind of the characters that are around here. What are some things that inspire your fashion? Because I feel like you always look so sharp. Um, You're always just in something very unique, like you're a very stylish person. What are some things that kind of inspire you with that? Well, 90% of everything I wear comes from downtown charlottetown so basically from from source for sports pretty well right down to the downtown core and i'm telling you there's amazing amazing styles in these beautiful shops down here and i mean i will i like to read fashion magazines and look at finite outfits but i get a lot of advice from the shop owners mm-hmm. like julia campbell will will dress you in a second. She she convinced me to buy a suit that I would never have thought I would even look at on a hanger. And now it is so fun to wear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Gems, I think, is also moving to a bigger space too, which is exciting. And they're going to have an outdoor patio. <gasps> I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Patio and fashion. Oh, my gosh. Right. So drinks, <laughs> drinks, snacks, and fashion. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, that's like really exciting. <laughs> oh, that sounds yeah. super cool. I- I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Emma, would you like to go next with your recommendation? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with a, a summary kind of recommendation and I'll recommend um, two restaurants downtown and a specific drink that I really like at both of them. So I'm going to recommend an Aperol Spritz, which I like to call is a little, it's kind of like orange Kool-Aid with a little bit of um, liquor in it, kind of tastes like that. And uh, you could find two really good Aperol Spritz, one at the Trailside Music Hall on Kent Street and the other at Piatto Pizzeria on Queen Street. And 
Um, it's a really good drink, um, lots of ice in it, good for a day like today where it's sunny and warm and you just kind of want to sit on a patio and sip something, but um, they're really delicious. And for people who don't really like beer, who don't really like kind of your traditional kind of vodka crayon or gin and tonic, it's a really good summery drink that's uh, pretty, pretty easy to uh, sip on and is delicious. So that would be my recommendation. Yum. <laughs> I know it's it's just about time to start getting ready for the summer and uh, my beer recommendation today is a very summery one as well. Um, it's from Gahan from the After Hour series and it's the Kettle Sour with Bread. Um, it's very um, it's a very light beer. It's very it's not as sour as say, the raspberry sour. It's very easy to drink um, and it's very fruity. I think it tastes a little bit like pear sometimes. So, um, and it reminds me really of patio evenings downtown. So that's my recommendation for the day as well. The Wild mm -hmm. Intentions Kettle Sour with Brett. Well, and on a funny note, um, I know I'm only allowed to have 10 people, but you're more than welcome to pop into Big Spring and I'll pour you a vodka cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I would love that. I, I only hear the term Big Spring on social media and I've always wondered, so how did it get this name? I'm very curious. So I have a two bedroom apartment above my garage and incidentally have the best tenant in the entire world and her little dog, Bernie. And, <laughs> I, and I named the apartment Little Spring and I named the main house Big Spring. And, and actually, I give my daughter credit. I think she first named it that because she was in the apartment first before Andrea moved in. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. big and little, big and little spring. Oh, super cool. No, I, I'd absolutely be um, honored to come visit Big Spring at, at, at any time that you, you, see, uh, you see fit. You can meet the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alana, for taking time. I know you have lots of other um, items to do today. It's a, it's a busy day in Charlottetown between um, the May long weekend and events happening with the Guild and also um, items happening at City Hall as well. So uh, thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of the day and, and the little bit of sunshine we'll get for this weekend. <laughs> You as well. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 And that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you again to Alana for joining us on this episode. As always, our opening and closing music is Gaspazy by the incredible Shane Pendergast. Shane has a few shows coming up. First being a Kaylee at the Benevolent Irish Society. And that is Friday, June 4th, 2021 from 8 to 10 p.m. And the second, it's a two-parter, there's Shane Pendergast Live at the Harmony House, the first one being Friday, June 11th, 2021, and the second being Saturday, June 12th, 2021, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. for each of those shows. If you're age 16 and above and you haven't received your vaccine yet and you don't have any health issues uh, related to that, we hope you have booked your appointment already so that we can get things rolling for this summer. Um, in addition, it's been a bit of a wet weekend here, so stay warm, stay safe, stay dry. This has been Dialogue. Yeah.